you. What about this one for my nephew? A superb choice. Oh, great. Yeah, provided he has already read Infinite Crisis and 52 and is familiar with the reestablishment of the DC multiverse. Who am I? Cypher? The gayest X-Man? I recently read this novel called Watchmen. I've never read a comic book like this. I used to read Betty comics, but that's it. I've never read, like, real, real comic books. This worked my out. Excellent! Hello, hello, hello. This is Chris and Eric's Songbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. This week, we resume our coverage of the best comic of all time. We are reading Banana Fish Volume 3. As always, this is by Akimi Yoshida. In terms of English localization stuff, we have lettering and touch-up art by Peter Averill. Translation by Rachel Forn and English adaptation by Rachel Forn and Carl Gustav Horn. This is the Viz Media edition. As always, it is just another little yellow cube of a book. This one has Ash jumping at a guy, kicking him. And I guess I'll just... Go ahead and start us off with a bit of plot summary before we then can sort of just dive in and discuss our thoughts on events as they go. The aforementioned guy getting kicked on the cover is Garvey, one of Dino Golzine's men inside of the prison. We're picking up essentially right where we left off at the end of volume two with Garvey having been assigned to be Ash's new cellmate, and he is now coming on to Ash, insinuating rape, and Ash promptly puts a stop to that by initially seeming to invite Garvey in just to then rip the sheets off of one of their prison beds and, like, throw it over Garvey's head, blinding him, and then grabbing him and immediately shoving his head straight into the concrete wall, and then just kicking him full body weight. I don't mean just, like, lifting a leg and kicking. I mean climbing the ladder to the top bunk and then jumping off and like full body landing on this bitch's head and assorted of her prisoners are on looking watching all of this it is potentially just max lobo's presence there and his calling out that stops ash from killing this man and for a bit then we just get back and forth shifts and scene between Ash and Max inside of the prison and the other characters from the police to AG and eBay, etc. outside of the prison talking about Ash's situation and trying to get him out on bail. And one of the central events that happens in the first half of this volume Ash's brother Griff dies in the care of the like underground doctor that Ash had entrusted him to. And when this is found out, Max Lobo gets told this on the phone, but is specifically warned not to tell Ash yet until he gets out because they are worried that... Ash will act rashly in some way, trying to escape or enact violent revenge, etc. However, almost immediately after that, Max ends up spilling the beans, tells Ash what has happened, and they end up conversing more, and Ash's rage toward... Max seems to lessen a bit 
he talks about wishing he could hate him because he needs someone to hate. And he finds himself telling Max more details about banana fish or rather what he knows of it essentially tells him the events of the night where he first came upon the dying man who his subordinates had taken the hit out from Dino on and about the man giving him that drug capsule and murmuring the address, the California address. And when Max asks Ash why he's telling him all of this, he essentially says he doesn't know. And we get some more opening up from him telling Max about how his brother largely raised him in place of his parents and how he found him in a military hospital post-Vietnam and took him out and has largely been taking care of him ever since. Shortly after this, they are able to arrange through some string pullings with police connections to get Ash out on bail. And he leaves, although Max is working on his own, he has not yet arranged for his. But after Ash leaves, Max starts to put past events together in his head with regards to the pill capsule from volume two, the message smuggling through AG and the kiss, etc., etc. And Max rightly believes that Ash is going to attempt to go and get his revenge now that he knows that Griff is dead. And... That's what happens after Ash gets picked up by Charlie from the cops, along with eBay and AG being there to greet him. Essentially, he acts the depressed morning role, acts kind of sick, gets Charlie to pull the car over and ends up stealing his gun. And an altercation begins trying to just get control of the car and as the two adults are fighting ash you know getting a hold of him ag then quickly takes the empty driver's seat ash is still like in the car while the other men are outside wrangling with him so he takes the wheel is able to get him and ash out of there driving the cop car away and yeah, AG aids Ash in his escape. After they have driven for a little while, Ash tries to order AG to stop the car and leave him, and AG refuses. They have some more talk about just, like, AG's sense of guilt and blaming himself for things that aren't his fault but that he feels like his fault specifically with regards to Griff's death and Ash essentially concedes to let him come with but don't get in the way there's some more teasing about AG being the older one but not acting like it and the two of them make their way to Shorter and Chinatown where they meet with some of Shorter's connections in the Chinese mafia and they help them to get supplies specifically a truck for infiltrating a plan in which they are going to arrive nearby a restaurant which Dino owns which is essentially a front for a child prostitution brothel we get some more stuff about just like Dino's customers and them being high profile types, powerful types, just more of the sense of the type of world that we are dealing with here. And essentially they manage to secure a way in through a car that no one would find suspicious at the market. And 
I'll go ahead and mention before the plan actually gets enacted. Ash gives AG his first gun with the warning that when shooting starts, he won't be able to protect him. And so we get just more and more of AG sort of falling more and more into Ash's life and the danger that comes with that. And Ash, AG, and Shorter all make their way at the appropriate time, basically like visiting the restaurant on the one day of the month that Dino is known to frequent it. It is also an ideal time to try and take the hit out because Dino doesn't take his full security detail with him because it would freak out the customers. So it's comparatively lessened security. And so we get the shootout scene with Ash on the top of the truck. And it's cool. We'll talk about it, I'm sure. But just another shootout, more of Yoshida's trademark love and emphatic use of action lines. And essentially Ash fails, but he does get a hidden because after taking down one of Dino's men, another one of his men, because Arthur and co are also there to help watch out. Another of the men gets Ash in the shoulder, which makes his aim go off at the last moment. And so his shot only hits Dino in the shoulder. And it then turns into a mad rush to try and get away from the chaos of it all now that the attempted kill on Dino has failed. During this action, one of Dino and Arthur's men attempts to get ag and shorter and though ag has his gun he hesitates and shorter has to grab hold of the gun himself to kill the attacker so just a thing of notes in terms of ag's acclimation to violence and inability to actually kill after volunteering to be in this sort of situation and help with the plan. But long story short, with regards to the details, eBay and Max have managed to figure out where the boys are going to be, track them down. And so once they have all gotten away from the rest of Dino's men, everyone is able to regroup. Everyone here meaning Shorter, A.G., Ash, and then eBay and Max Lobo. They take some downtime at one of Max's journalistic hideouts where they do just basic medical attention for the bullet wound for Ash. Uh, scrapes that Shorter got. Everyone is taking brief time to rest up and it is determined at this point that Max and Ash essentially have the same mission, same goal of wanting to find out what the truth behind banana fish is, which as an aside earlier in the volume, we get a scene wherein Arthur is talking to Papa Dino where Dino informs Arthur that Banana Fish is not the name of a person, but is the name of a drug. And we as readers get that confirmation there, but Ash and Co. do not know this for sure yet. And in determining their next moves, Max decides that they should all go to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, which is Ash's hometown with the goal of looking through Griff's old possessions, any of his old letters, his old pictures, just anything he could have possibly had regarding his time in Vietnam for just, they have to go somewhere, it'll be out of the city, safety-wise from Dino, 
and a place to potentially look for more leads. And so they do. They leave in the cover of night. They drive their way to Cape Cod. We get a nice callback to the opening of volume one with Max once again singing, Oh, my darling Clementine. I don't know what the actual song is called off the top of my head. That's the one line he knows. But we get that image of him singing with Ash in the front seat. Once again, just calling to mind Ash's resemblance to Griff and Max's relationships with the two brothers. They make their way to Cape Cod. They go into this restaurant where we meet for the first time Ash's father and I don't know that stepmom is exactly right. She is at least a woman who his father became romantically involved with after Ash's mom left. It is also noted here, and I'll go ahead and mention to make sure I don't forget, it is established that Ash and Griff had different mothers. They have the same father, different moms, but this woman is neither of their mothers. She is another woman who the dad got involved with afterward after the end of those prior relationships. And essentially there are two houses. There's the like house slash restaurant that there's two main properties of note here. There's the restaurant that his dad now operates. And then there's the old house, which is not the one that his father is currently living in, but rather is just the old one from Ash's childhood that he still owns, that his father still owns. And it's essentially revealed that after getting with his new lover, Ash's dad basically left Ash and Griff in that old house where Griff more or less had to raise Ash mostly on his own and in these first family interactions everyone is shocked by the way that ash's father treats him he when he sees max lobo you know the much older man he assumes that he is one of ash's new boyfriends or a trick and says things to the effect of, I don't care if you fuck my son as long as you pay him. And everyone is shocked and revolted at the way he talks to Ash, but Ash is not. Ash is just like, let it go. And as they go through the old house and belongings, they find some letters and photographs of... Max's troops and or I guess squads people that Max served with in Vietnam and Shorter and AG are able to recognize Griff's killer among those men photographed in those decades old photos and yeah that's the main thing here in terms of more intrigue of them Figuring out more in terms of the drug plot line, we get a clear link between the Vietnam past and Dino's current men there with the killer. And on a character level, the Cape Cod scenes also feature just various sit-down chats between different pairs of characters. Especially notably, we get a brief scene of ash shooting outside and then trying to help teach ag how to shoot sort of highlighting just the real difference in the worlds that they've grown up in and just the difference in competence levels because of the innocence or lack of innocence on their respective parts we get discussions between ash and ebay and max and ebay about ebay babying ag too much 
about what is or isn't good for AG with regards to his relationship to Ash and the final scene that end standard banana fish cliffhanger nature ends mid conversation is a conversation between Ash's group and Ash's dad where they're yelling at him and just being like, how the fuck can you talk about your son that way? And that's where the volume ends. I think and hope that's at least a comprehensive enough summary to get us started off with. I suppose I'll turn to you with, are there any scenes or moments in particular that you especially liked or had a reaction to where we should start or would you like to just go chronologically uh let's just go chronologically okay i suppose what did you think of the scene the in prison scenes where ash and max are still locked up we get the like fight against garvey we get the sort of ash emotionally letting max in a little bit more what do you think of the way that their relationship sort of develops here and isn't as entirely adversarial i mean i liked it i it felt like it made sense i mean this is the point where the goals are gonna start aligning because as the different like little bits of information that we've been privy to because we're following everyone sort of slowly come together it yeah i i it just sort of made sense to me it also again just like shows off more of ash's competence and just how quickly and brutally he is able to whoop garvey's ass with regards to the opening fight yeah that was very cool i liked him using the bed sheet it made it like it a very like believable cool move for him to do yeah like, it's not just a physical strength, but shows Ash using a, like, awareness of surroundings and sort of, like, tactical planning to the fight, which I think helps show just, like, not only he is scrappy, but he is smart. And as these scenes sort of go on and we see, like, Ash talking to Max's lawyer and such we get more just like discussion of the dichotomy of the way that different people see Ash and just like the initial appearance and differences in ways that he acts with regards to just like, let me try and find a specific line here. You moron. He's giving you his act. Yeah, yeah, like when Max is talking to his lawyer who he also got to try and help Ash out a bit. The lawyer's just like, yeah, sweet, gentle kid. You know, he's not at all like what you described. And Max is just like, oh, brother, you know, like the lawyer gives a line about Ash being an underprivileged grieving child, which is true, but also. Yeah. <laughs> Who's been framed for a crime he didn't commit. Also true, although he did want to commit that crime. He has been framed for a crime that he did not get to commit, but would have liked to. Yeah. I like just sort of the, I guess, mental drama of it all of the just like don't tell ash he'll be brash he'll act brashly and then just like seeing more of ash's manipulative when it suits him nature for getting out and you know just like the way he initially acts with charlie and co and acting normal about getting out just his cunning essentially yeah, even when he's, like, just found out that his brother's dead and he's, like, rightfully pissed about that and is behaving because of that rather stupidly, he still does so cleverly, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, like, even though Max has had his guard up 
with Ash or, you know, has gotten a taste of how he acts. Even still watching him like mentally put more pieces together in his mind about like how fucked up things are about to be now that he spilled the beans about Griff dying is still just more good character drama going on here. I can't remember if we said or what we said last time with regards to your personal expectations of banana fish as a drug versus a person. Was this all stuff that you had essentially already pieced together or did you have, what was your reaction to that? I suppose. I mean, I knew it was the drug. The, the idea of it being used specifically to like get people to kill themselves in like genuine suicides. I hadn't pieced together, but like, that banana fish was the drug, yeah. Because everyone keeps holding out a vial and saying banana fish. It seemed really obvious to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think at least, yeah, on the reader's part, it seems pretty clear it's not a person's code name. I get why they might think it's a person, but, like, yeah, for, for with with, again, because we have all the different characters levels of knowledge basically aside from to an extent dino like everything that they're maybe having a hard time piecing together isn't that difficult from this end of things yeah the specification of the suicide stuff the like violent suicidal behavior though i think is well done and sort of ramps up and calls back to mind past events as well in terms of like how much of volume one we got those gruesome looks at like murder suicide scenes and this sort of calls back to that with dr meredith and he talks about how the effects of the drug last longer than lsd and how it can last up to 24 hours, potentially more, but he wasn't able to measure beyond that point because all of the rats that he tested the drug on killed themselves within a day. Yeah, that was pretty fucked up. Just super fucked up fantasy drug. Good sense of stakes, I think. Just more drama. This book is a lot of things, but I think the crime drama aspects are all well done. What did you think of shortly after he gets out and AG effectively becoming an accomplice and the whole like carjacking scene of them escaping from the two adults and just like Ash and AG and their relationship stuff here? I like the step that Eiji's taken here. Like, I do think that it's interesting that he feels this strongly about what he owes Ash, that he's willing to go this far. Yeah, I uh, I liked it. it. It didn't, again, it didn't really surprise me. I felt like I knew he was this dedicated before. It made sense to me. Which I suppose does mean that the story's done a good job of setting up those two. Yeah. I like the scene once they're like once they've actually escaped and it's just them two talking in the car of Ash telling AG to leave him and him refusing and you know AG talking about his guilt and I specifically like this panel at the bottom of page 98 the bottom right panel where Ash is just telling A.G. not to get in his way. Remember, you're the older one. Act like it. And it's just literally funny faces. You know, like Yoshida's style changes temporarily for comedic effect here in a way that emphasizes both A.G.'s bashfulness and Ash's youth. Like he looks like more of a kid here than the hyper-competent serious guy for once 
Yeah. I think it's effective. The art remains great throughout. Yeah. Very good work with the, ex- like, especially the expressiveness of the characters I really love. And also, um, I can tell all of the blonde men apart now, which is very good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it continues to be just really well laid out in terms of visual clarity of just following the action and panel composition choices will do a good job of just like emphasizing the back and forth of conversation and such. There will be a lot in a small look of either you know, just like panels where Ash and AG are talking and either they don't say a lot or they're literally silent, but there's just a good amount of nuance in their facial expressions to really just sell like Ash's pensiveness as he's thinking about what to do next or AG's shock. Everyone's just various feelings throughout. Ash especially, importantly so, because he is all of these things at once. He is the hyper-competent, attempting-to-murder gang leader, and he is also the mourning, underprivileged teen. (laughs) You know, and we just, like, see all of these little bits of emotion on his face that just sort of sell to me just like how complex everything that he's having to deal with is. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. I really like the occasional bit of, like, more dramatic lighting that shows up as well. Like, when Ash tells Max that he's out of his depth in dealing with the whole banana fish situation, and, like, you know, normally the lighting's fairly flat because it helps with clarity when you're doing a black and white comic to not, like, overstuff the panel with a whole bunch of shaded grays. But um, there's, like, a, a really, like, stark shadow across Ash's face as he says that. It's a really dramatic, really cool-looking panel. Yeah, it's good use of shading for emphasis. Like, the majority of backgrounds throughout are in white, but we'll get the occasional shifts to darker gray or full black, and we get, yeah, just, like, evocative shadows or sort of, like, bursts, sort of emphasizing, like, looks in the eyes, like... Across pages 102, 103, we have the conversation between Dino and Arthur, where Arthur has it confirmed that Banana Fish isn't a person, you know, as Dino is letting him in on more facts of the case. And a lot of the panels, like, have the black backgrounds, but there will be these, like, sort of spiked shapes of light I guess not sure how to describe them but just like we'll have one to the side of Dino's face that sort of emphasizes tension accompanying his wards we have some behind some of Dino's men when they're acting shocked about various things and in terms of another shadow moment the bottom left of page 102 the way that Arthur's face is half cast in shadow as he's trying to convince Dino to let him in on more of what's going on I think is really nice and yeah it's all just very high drama I also like to the way that sometimes the like gradients from the white to black in the background the sort of gray middle parts will sometimes be like hatched in a pattern that sort of takes on a little bit of a swirling look to it that sort of accompanies 
Dino's general bloodlust or anger, but with regards to Ash and AG and the plan for the hit at the fish restaurant, I guess before the hit itself, all my favorite scenes are Ash and AG scenes. You know, like, they are the yeah. crux of this. But on page 120, the day of the attempted hit on Dino, Ash is telling AG to get up, and AG does the whole five more minutes thing, but then is startled more awake when he sees a gun in his face, and Ash's literally waking him up with a gun in his face, but then handing it to him, explaining the gun to him, how it works, and just talking about not being able to always protect him. And yeah, just this is what AG has gotten himself into. And the it's like the danger and the vulnerability and the playfulness all present at once because... You know, Ash is smirking, you know, like the little bit of playfulness at first, but then deadly serious and then trying to ease the tension down again. And you just sort of like track AG's facial expressions throughout the scene going from, you know, shock to trying to play things off to just concern and... I love page 122 once Ash leaves the scene and AG is grabbing hold of the gun and like wielding it, aiming it as if he was going to shoot it, you know, feeling it in his hands for the first time. And we get the panel in the center of the page of him pointing the gun directly at the reader, straightforward. And rather than a bang sound effect of an actual shot, we get a bang sound effect lettering job within his ward bubble of him saying bang to himself as he is essentially wielding a gun, holding a gun for the first time since briefly touching ashes way back in the bar i just think this scene is fun i don't know if i have more to add yeah i i mean yeah i agree i really like the conversation they have beforehand and how like ash is a bit like well if you want to be around here like ash's sort of attitude towards eg in, in this after he helps him is essentially just like well if you're gonna be around here you're gonna have to pull your own weight, I can't, like, protect you the whole time or anything like that. Which, I mean, obviously makes sense in the context they're in, but, like, it works. I, I like the two of them. They're both engaging characters. Yeah, it's this sort of, like, protectiveness by way of acknowledging that he can't always protect him, you know, like, he is saying all this stuff of you need to carry your own weight, but it's because he doesn't want him to get hurt that he's even bothering, you know? It's like telling him to take care of himself as a means of helping to take care of him, essentially. And I guess I'll also just briefly mention during the prior conversation between those two and Shorter... We don't get a lot of it, but AG briefly talks about how he can't jump in the same way that he used to. He used to be an actual athlete, track and field, and how it doesn't like specify, I don't think, specifically like, oh, I got injured. But that sort of thing is like the implication of, oh, he's not really able to do it to the same way that he used to. And 
before he came over to America, he was sort of in a slump and eBay brought him with him to, I guess, essentially like try and help get him out of that, help him get a new setting, help him not just mope around basically. And AG talks about wanting to quote unquote quit quitting and he says, I want to see what will happen. I want to see it with my own eyes. And it's this sort of like philosophy of finding purpose, I guess. I don't think we'd really got much of this explicitly before now, but maybe I'm just misremembering. No, the I think the additional detail about the poor vaulting is definitely new. The time comes for the hit on the restaurant during which Shorter and AG are the ones up in the front seats and Shorter tells AG to keep his head down when he gives a signal and AG at first is like, are you trying to protect me again? And shorter matter of factly is just like it's not protecting you if i get shot then you have to be the one to drive so once again just hitting home the danger of the position that they are all volunteering to enter into and we see dino and his men getting out of their car as the truck then is blazing its way through and Ash essentially crawls his way out of the back up onto the top of the truck, gets one of Dino's men in the head, another in the shoulder. And yeah, we get our multi-page shootout scene with lots and lots of motion lines. How did you like the action here? Oh, I thought it was great. Um, the reveal that he's on top of the truck is really cool when he pops up after we just get the two panels of, like, the blood splatters from Dino's men, and then there's Ash, and he's on top of the truck, and then there's just a full, like, two-page build-up to him shooting Dino, and then, like, missing a bit from where he clearly wanted to hit because of, um, this guy who's with Arthur, who I don't remember seeing much like managing to clip him i did think for a second he'd been shot in like the neck but it's just the shoulder but that's just part of like the the way the panel's framed it's pretty clear it you know immediately afterwards that he's not got something that's nearly as fatal as getting shot like through the middle of the neck yeah which like i like that framing choice honestly of the of that moment of him getting shot because it just sort of fervors the drama, you know, even though like the next shot of him grabbing his shoulder makes it clear where the bullet went. I sort of like the initial glimpse of it looking potentially all the more serious just for drama's sake. Oh yeah, no, I, I think it's effective. I certainly, I don't think that you could have, I think that that was the best framing choice. It's specifically for um, him shooting the gun himself. Which but I yeah, also... Dino and Ash get it in the shoulder. I really love the way that she pulls off just like the simultaneous shots of like in that panel, the gigantic blam with regards to both Ash taking the shot and getting shot effectively at the same time. Like, I just think the action of the drama and the scene is really nice. The just effective selling of the speed and severity of the action at the bottom of 141, we get some of sort of what I was talking about where Dino's ward bubble is surrounded by the sort of like seething rage sort of like black shadow effect. I don't really know how to describe it, but it's almost as if you're like seeing his anger, like bubble off him, like an aura or something. I like it. 
I think on the topic of lettering in general, too, I think that this is probably the best lettered volume so far, like definitely in volume one and maybe in volume two as well. We talked about there being a few like awkward moments in terms of like fitting the word bubble or like sudden font changes, but I didn't notice any of those sorts of problems in this one. What about you? Uh, I think they figured it out. Um, like it's it's consistent and the balloons never feel like especially crowded. Some of them feel weirdly empty, but that is just part and parcel of the, the different way that you have to translate. Um, I really like the sudden like increase in the number of sound effects we're getting in the action sequences. I haven't noticed that many before, but then certainly for uh, the major fights in this volume, we're getting a lot of big sound effects and um i love those i'm always happy when i see them i wish they weren't as out of favor as they are yeah i agree across the spread of 142 and 143 we get i count eight different like sound effects and like eight in just two pages in a variety of different fonts, a variety in like how they're oriented in terms of being straight horizontal on the page versus like fonts sort of like going up and down or having diagonal slants to them, like the just variety in how they are positioned and in the literal like font choices used. I think it's all just really effectively done. I think it just fits in really well with the excitement of the action. And honestly, even just like the variety too, in terms of just like the different sounds, like I think it's cool that like the blam of a gunshot is a different font from the sound triggered by the bullet actually going through glass. It's like the font changes sort of reflect the different sounds at play which i think is pretty cool yeah i, I there's some really effective fonts chosen as well i really like the way that um it's it's used for a different sound effects early in the volume but on 142 pack near the bottom which is the the bullet hitting glass uh i really love that font in um the context of sound effects that's a fun one with the uh, it's very um uh audio medium i should describe it it looks jagged it's one of those jagged fonts and then it's got uh on the bottom half of all of the letters there's jagged vertical lines uh like basically in the context of the black and white working to sort of slightly tone the um bottom half of the letters gray and like a, a subtle gradient but it's still the the hard lines that, that one I, stood out to me too yeah i really like that one there was i it's definitely in another place in the volume i'm trying to find it now uh page 42 uh exactly 100 pages earlier it the same font is used uh for crack where um Ash winds up like running into a table. It's a great like font for stuff breaking because of the jagged nature of it. And it's angularity. I, I dig that. I always like those ones. Yeah, that's a really good one. I also like on 144 during the earlier mentioned like Shorter and AG getting attacked within the truck with shorter having to take over control of the gun to fight the guy off because of ag freezing essentially in the bottom right as ag is sort of like eyes closed flinching to the side the blam side effect it's like the b starts perfectly straight horizontal 
and then the rest of the letters do an arc like the way like if you in editing software or whatever were like shifting an image to the side it like does the arc from i guess it's like a what degree angle is that i well it am... goes down to a 90 degree angle like each yeah. letter goes like i'd say about like 20 to 30 degrees off of its axis down to a 90 degree angle while it's like descending down the panel rather than going across so it looks um it looks kind of like the letters are falling the one thing i don't like about the lettering there is i don't like the way that the two m's and the l and the a overlap each other i i would have just like done a, a deformation on the blam so that it all still followed the same line even if that line was curved but the way they've done it here makes it not read as a word when you initially glance at it because the letters are overlapping too much and they're overlapping in like important parts of the letter form for making it readable at a glance that's fair i do still like the way it's at least sort of like attempting to match ag's body language though yeah yeah i do think that's very strong another lettering moment because yeah theme here is effective sound effects but bottom of page 148 when max slugs ash we get a walk and a wump of showing like the different parts of ash's body hitting the ground like hitting his head and then just like his legs the rest of them hitting the ground just like the way that it uses two different sound effects for what could have been like a single fall to sort of just emphasize ash getting knocked the fuck out i think is really effective along with just like the solid crack in the panel above it of the actual hit of the initial punch yeah i that's a very effective use as well on all three of those sound effects of like working with the art the way that the crack emphasizes the x-shaped panel comp the composition of the panel uh where ash is getting punched and then the walk in the wump bend around his body emphasizing his movement more I'd be interested in seeing like the original Japanese version and seeing if they had these sound effects on there, what they um what they actually like did artistically with the letter forms here. Cause that's a very effective like set of sound effects. Yeah, I didn't think to do so this week, but I should at some point pull out my Japanese copies and see what the sound effects look like in those yeah that would be an interesting comparison after this we get a brief shift in scene back to dino and bed recovering from getting shot talking to arthur and his various men and we get just this intense bloodlust after arthur is just like why don't you just off ash when Dino keeps insisting that Ash be brought to him alive and just this emphasis again like an example of just like the character face close up in shadow for dramatic effect with the like swirling frayed ends of the background shadow as Dino goes that boy belongs to me. I'll be damned if I turn him over to anyone. You can rip off his arms and legs. You can pry out his eyes. Just drag him before me, alive. And then we get a good gulp from Arthur. And just, like, effective, like, I guess, like, a vertical line work of shadow in the background of the panel descending from the top, sort of mimicking, like, 
the feeling of goosebumps of the men just like witnessing that bloodlust as we again have it emphasized the way to which Dino is very literally possessive of Ash. You know, it's fucking awful. Yeah. Which I guess on that topic too. Yeah, like earlier in the volume when Ash is telling them about the restaurant slash covert child brothel and just the way that he talks about it and his level of knowledge of it we haven't really talked about, but again, it's just more narration that is demonstrative of just like what Ash's past with Dino would have been like for him to know this sort of information. And also like during one of the prior fights within the prison itself, one of Dino's men like talks about Ash having been like Dino's favorite etc etc and we just we just get more moments like this of just more sort of hints of what their history is like before volume one started shortly thereafter though we shift to the characters making their way to cape cod this really remote maybe remote's an exaggeration but Pretty rural-looking area, really lovely-looking area in the illustration of just, like, you know, sparsely populated flowing grass, buildings pretty well-spaced apart, everything's, like, on a lake, this just, like, really idyllic setting, and us then getting into Ash's family history most especially his dad what did you think of the cape cod stuff uh i think that the setting is drawn beautifully when we're introduced to it i like the idea of going back and seeing his family uh his dad sucks i presume a lot of the next volume will be dealing with that so i don't have like a lot of specific thoughts beyond what a fucking jackass my thoughts, I think it's good. I think it's also a good place for the series to, like, slow down for a second, because a lot of this volume is so breakneck with developments, taking a second to, like, have the characters be forced to talk to each other is a very good idea, in my opinion. Like, and also, we now have everybody together in a group, which is another good development. We've basically spent three volumes getting to the point where everyone is just like, okay, we all need to work together. Yeah, I agree. The shift in the setting really works on a lot of levels. Like, it is visually lovely, and of course, we get a bit more about just, like, where Ash is from, you know, to color our opinions on why he is the way now that he is now, etc., the full gathering of these five characters all in the same place at once. Yeah, that feels significant with just like how much beforehand, before now, would be like at most like two or three of the principal characters together at once because it was always like these two were in prison, these two were out of prison, these are at the bar, these are at the police station, etc., etc. Everyone's always running after each other. And yeah, I think pacing wise, this is a good opportunity to slow down as like the last 30 pages or so here, we get a good amount of just like one-on-ones between various characters like Ash and AG again, or Ash and eBay. And yeah, like the geographical distance from New York City also just fits the shift in tone where it's like they have literally escaped to a setting where they can break from the constant threat of death for a minute. I like the shooting scene between Ash and AG where like AG walks in on Ash having already been practicing shooting and then AG tries and we get like Ash like 
physically maneuvering Ag's body, being like, what kind of stance is that? Because Ag just truly has no idea what he's doing. It's a nice, just like, these two getting to interact relatively non-seriously together for a minute. I say, knowing there's a bit of an irony there that that sort of playful moment is in fact while they are shooting guns, but by the standard of the comic, this is a more stress-free moment. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I like the expression on Ash's face when AG misses and he's rolling his eyes and just says, beautiful, that's very well drawn. Yeah, that one's really good. I also like at the point where they are inside of the old house where they're like searching for Griff's old possessions at the bottom of page 168 when it has a sudden gag manga panel of like AG opening up a drawer and then a mouse jumps out squeaking and AG like jumps out in terror and his scream is in this sort of like bloody-esque horror font. Oh yeah, it does it looks like chiller. Is I wonder is that actually chiller? Maybe. I'm not sure. I really should be able to tell considering how common a font that is. I'm gonna be insane and check. It is not. On page 180. We also get A.G. asking Ash how his shoulder is and doesn't it hurt when you shoot? Ash says it's just a scratch and we get A.G. turning to the side, the sort of like sweat drop comedic effect as he looks straight at the reader and has the thought bubble just a scratch. Now I know why Japan lost the war. Yoshida can pull off such a variety of tones throughout this yeah. book. And it works, too. Just like, you know, like, we went on about, like, the intensity of the action and the sound effects. But I think the, like, slowed down moments here in Cape Cod of Ash and AG just sort of having fun, being a bit more silly, walking the strange line of their relationship. I think it all works quite well. We get a little bit of Ash chiding eBay about him babying AG too much, which Max then does the same thing to eBay. eBay has the continued plan of when the time presents itself of still planning on going back to Japan and forcing AG to go with him. And Max asks, is that really what's best for AG? And when eBay says, I know he'll hate me for it. I just don't want to put him in any more danger. Max says, that's not what I mean. And you know it. So everyone is, I guess I'll just say, observing Ash and AG, and there's something going on there. Yeah, they're picking up on the vibes. There are definite vibes to be picked up on. I guess plot-wise, I'll just note real quick that Ash wants to get out of there, but the car is a bit messed up, so... They're essentially looking at working on getting the car fixed, but they're stuck waiting there for presumably a few days. And yeah, Ash isn't happy about it. Clearly did not like growing up here as would make sense with the way his dad is talking. And it's his dad's harshness that we end the volume on with the promise of some more development on that when we pick up a volume four. But yeah, I suppose for now, do you have anything else you would like to hit on before we wrap up? 
the only good thing about Ash's dad is his beard, which is impressive. It is well drawn. Yeah, I think distinctive. Again, what you said about the characters like being more easily able to tell apart. I, I, as much as I am much better at telling the difference between Ash and Max now that Max has a slightly different hairstyle and a chin that is a different shape, uh, I'm very glad that Ash's dad has the beard. It's very helpful. Sure, yeah. I was like, oh no, not another blonde man. Oh, he's got a beard. Okay, we're good. We're good. Yeah. All in all, though, good volume, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Banana Fish continues to be very good. With that said, what will you be having us read next week that I am looking forward to, even if I honestly am not sure to what degree it will be good or not? You know, I can never figure out if it's good or not. Uh, myself, but we're gonna finally read Ultimates, the final part of my trilogy of why haven't I picked this yet? I've been talking about picking this ever since we started the show. Yeah, uh, it's kind of the follow-up to the Ultimate X-Men episode we did. Because this is essentially the fallout from that that doesn't happen to the X-Men. But Ultimates is... 1 through 6, we're not covering the whole 12-issue series we will eventually cover the rest of the Miller and Hitch stuff, but for now, just Ultimates 1 through 6. I am looking forward to it, but... It's so bizarre. Hulk just... He really wants to eat Freddy Prince Jr. Yeah. Next week will be simultaneously very silly, very quote-unquote gritty... There's nothing else quite like it. Ultimates. But in the meantime, thank you all for listening and bye. Bye, everyone. Be excellent to each other.